As you know, our series has been on Real Christmas. And today, as Drew mentioned a few months, a few minutes ago, uh, our topic today is real dignity. And uh, let us go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so thankful today that you have given us your word. We thank you, Lord, for the inherent power that exists in your word. The power to change our minds, the power to change our hearts, the power to change our actions. We thank you, Father, that you have chosen to show us how to live through your word. And as we come to your word today, Lord, would you uh, illumine our hearts and minds, Lord. Teach us what you would have us to know from this scripture, Lord. May I not be seen, but Lord, may you be seen in your plan for all of humanity be made clear to us today. And we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, our scripture today is going to be coming from Acts chapter 10 on page 894 and 895 of your pew Bible. I want to read one verse of that to, or two verses of that to start out with, and that is starting at verse 34. And it says, Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And the question I would ask to start out this morning is, what does it mean that God shows no partiality? I grew up reading the King James Version, and I was told that was the only version that was important. <laughs> and the King James Version says that God is no respecter of persons. And our message today is on dignity. And I think of dignity, as Drew said earlier, as respect. In God's economy and in God's view, everyone is worthy of respect. And you may be saying to yourself, well, I know that already. Well, maybe you are a little bit ahead of the rest of us. Uh, dignity, in my mind, means not only respect, but acceptance and value. And because Jesus has come, everyone has value. Everyone deserves respect. Everyone is acceptable and accepted, and everyone has value. Doesn't matter where you came from, who your parents are or were, what your ethnicity is, what you've done or haven't done, what malady or disease you may have or have had what you look like, what your economic status is, or what your educational level is. 
none of the labels that we place on one another matters. Everyone has dignity. I mean, that's why Jesus came, isn't it? But somehow that was a challenging concept for the early church to understand. You see, they'd been separated for generations. They lived separate lives, and Jews viewed Gentiles as unclean and vile, and they didn't want to associate with them at all. Years of hostility had driven them apart. But Christ had come, and everything had changed. And when Christ comes, he doesn't just change our relationship with him. He changes our relationships with one another. And just to point out in that verse we just read where it says every nation, sometimes that refers to Gentiles. And so this was a really important statement that Gentiles, even Gentiles who fear God are acceptable to him. So let's look at the beginning of our passage in Acts chapter 10 and just read these first couple of verses. Uh, in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. So here we have this passage opening up with this devout man who feared God and supported the poor in his community. And he's going to play a very important role uh, in this passage. Skip down to verse 9. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. So what we skipped in some of that was Cornelius had a vision the day before. And in his vision, an angel of God came to him and told him to send for Peter, send to Joppa. Peter was staying with a tanner by the name of Simon. They were staying by the sea. And the angel of God told him to send for Peter. So he sent a couple of the men under him to go find Peter. Well, the next day, Peter has a vision. And that's what we just read about. And one of the things that you have to understand is that Jews observed very strict dietary laws. 
And in this dream, he's seeing all these creatures before him on a white sheet. And he's being told to kill and eat them. And you must understand that that must be a confusing message for Peter. He's observed these laws all of his life, and now all of a sudden he's having this vision that now he should eat things that previously he had considered unclean and vile. And it is in this vision that God is preparing Peter not to receive food, but to receive Cornelius. Continue with me down at verses 28 and 29. And he said to them, you yourselves know that it is an unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? So what has happened in the intervening verses is those men that Cornelius sent to get Peter have arrived. And um, Peter has asked them why they're there, and they tell him that Cornelius sent them. He had a vision. He invites them in, and they spend the night. And the next day, he goes with them to Cornelius' house. And so now he's arrived at Cornelius' house. And seeing these Gentiles, he, first thing he says that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. And that just makes me laugh because I said he doesn't get it yet. <laughs> He's still clueless as to what's going on. He hasn't connected his vision with Cornelius's summons. And now it's time to put that understanding into practice. What jumps out at me is um, verse 28, and it says that God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. Because before he was talking about food, and now he's realized that it's about people. And you know, profane is not a word that we use a lot of. We get the word profanity from it, but we don't use the word profane in our everyday language. Um, but it means common. I remember when I was in school, kids might say to one another, you're just common. And we didn't really understand what we were saying when we said that. Um, Common means uncouth, vulgar, ill-bred, uncivilized, unrefined, unsophisticated, low-born, low-class, inferior. And Peter says also that God showed him that he shouldn't call anyone unclean, meaning dirty, dirty. Filthy, grimy, impure, tainted, unwashed, contaminated, infected, unsanitary, unhygienic, disease-ridden. You see, these are the words that Peter previously used to describe people, Gentiles. 
And now he's understanding that these are very inappropriate terms to use to describe another human being. If I can look at you and think that you are profane or common, that simply means that I have not understood the gospel. And even Peter had to be taught this. And Peter was right there in the midst of everything. And he had to be corrected. So the message for me in this is we don't have to be, feel condemned if we missed that. All we need to do is confess it to God, receive his forgiveness, and allow him to change our hearts and our thinking. You see, God had Cornelius to send for Peter, and now Peter understands what that vision was about. Look for me down at verse 30, as Cornelius tells Peter what happened. Four days ago, at this very hour, at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Therefore I sent to you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. So here Peter is standing where he never thought he'd be standing in a room full of Gentiles. And isn't it interesting that God spoke to both of them through a vision. And so Peter is seeing that this man has the same communication with God that he has had. And it's obvious that he is a devout follower of God. And that is undeniable. But what must have been going through Peter's mind? Here he is in the home of a Gentile. See, it was one thing for him to welcome them into the home where he was staying because there was some control there, there was some power there, but there was another thing for him to enter into the home of a Gentile, someone whom he had previously considered profane and unclean. What in the world was going through his mind? I imagine it was thousands of thoughts in the course of seconds. Maybe he was thinking about all the negative things he had thought about these people, all the negative words that he had used to describe them, and how he had made sure to keep himself from those kinds of people. After all, he didn't want to become infected with what they had. You see, if Peter was going to carry God's message, 
God needed to change Peter's thinking. It was in those moments that Peter understood that his dream wasn't about food. It was about people. And it's one thing for me not to call you common. But it's another thing for me to associate with you. It's another thing for me not to call you common, but it's yet another thing for me to associate with you. So can you imagine Peter's having all these thoughts about these people whom he had previously never wanted to associate with, and all of a sudden he finds himself shoulder to shoulder with the Gentiles. <laughs> and you know, that's what Jesus does. He's not afraid to touch us and rub shoulders with us. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is now going to teach Peter. He's going to spend time with the Gentiles. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, when God changes your heart and your mind, you will do things you swore you never do. Look with me at verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's the clincher. Then they invited him to stay for several days. Have you ever stayed in the home of a Gentile? Better yet, have you ever even been to the home of a Gentile? And when I use the term Gentile, I mean whoever it is that you call common. Who do you consider a Gentile? You see, when you go to the home of a Gentile, then you begin to see and understand what it was like for Jesus to come and rescue you. And I think that's the thing that we don't get. We don't get it. Jesus had to get dirty to come and save us. And he was willing to take on all the filth and all the vileness that was a part of us to save us. The problem is we don't see ourselves like we see others especially those whom we consider beneath us. As I was thinking about this, 
passage, I thought about a person who I knew from one of the churches I was a member of. And um, I'll remain gender neutral. Um, but this was a person who had some physical challenges. Um, but man, what a big heart. And um, this person was always very kind to me. We would sit together in church and um, they would give me cards and share words of encouragement with me and scriptures and things they had written and uh, always complimented me on my music and things like that. And um, I gave this person a ride home one day and um, they invited me into their home. And because of the challenges that they lived with, their home was not um, maybe on the same standards that I'm accustomed to. But I tell you what, it was the warmest experience I've ever had in someone's home. If you never enter the home of a Gentile, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. Some of the most sincere saints of God. Are Gentiles. That's what I believe Peter had an opportunity to see during the days that he spent with those Gentiles. It wasn't enough just to come and have a meeting with them. He had to come alongside of them and live life with them for a little while. You see, Jesus gives real dignity, dignity to everyone, not just some. We are all created in his image. No matter what we look like, how and where we live, what our vices and struggles are. I always have this saying that, we all have stuff. You just may be able to see mine a little better than you can see yours. But we all have it. Some of it is more socially acceptable than others of it. But guess what? Nobody is immune. And in the same way, we all are deserving of real dignity through and in Christ. Amen.